Welcome to the Med Street Journal. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Med Street Journal podcast. My name is Rodney Hu. Today I'm joined by another very special guest, Mr. Neil Lippman. He is the CEO and founder of BioVerge. Um, BioVerge is an investment platform that funds visionary entrepreneurs with the aim of transforming healthcare and bringing science fiction to life. Now, that sounds cool to me. So I'm excited to have Neil on um, to kind of share what he's working on and share his experiences in healthcare. So with that being said, Neil, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rodney. I'm thrilled to be here today and uh, look, look forward to uh, diving in. Yeah, sure, sure. So let's just jump right into it. Why don't you give people a brief background of kind of who you are and how you ended up with BioVerge at BioVerge? Sure, happy to. So uh, my brief background is I studied molecular biology as an undergraduate, uh, worked in a virology lab for a number of years, uh, have a master's in biotechnology from Johns Hopkins, uh, then made my way to Wall Street. I did healthcare investment banking for, uh, for a number of years at uh, Deutsche Bank, Thomas Weisel Partners, uh, where all my clients were emerging growth biotech companies. Uh, transitioned out of investment banking uh, about 12 years ago, moved out to the West Coast. Uh, I joined a place called the California Institute for Regenerative Medicine. Yeah, that's a mouthful, uh, but uh, we call it CIRM for short. Uh, CIRM is a, is a really special uh, institution. It was funded by the taxpayers of California with $3 billion to invest in stem cell and regenerative medicine related research. Uh, so it was actually at CIRM where I started uh, investing myself in, in early stage. He started in companies uh, and CIRM funded a program at UCLA that treated children born with SCID or severe combined amino deficiency. It's a very rare genetic defect. Uh, children born with SCID usually live relatively short lives. They don't have a functioning immune system. They're in and out of the hospital with severe infections during their typically short lives. Long story short, I got to know uh, one of the children who, who were treated with the therapy that CIRM funded. Uh, her name was Evie. Uh, her and her parents would come to CIRM board meetings, got to know them pretty well. It's just a very remarkable story. Evie was treated with the gene therapy that CIRM funded when she was one. Fast forward to today, she is now uh, cured. She lives a normal life. She goes to school. She loves to serve. She has a dog. All things that would have been previously impossible for every and, and children born with skid. So it was just it was a very remarkable story. The technology was spun out of UCLA into a biotech company that went public at a billion plus dollar valuation. I was like, wow. really bringing science fiction to life. Why more people realize that this is happening today. This isn't futuristic and it's impacting uh, people's lives, uh, people like Evie and, and her family. Uh, and early stage investors did very well by investing in this biotech company that went public. So the whole idea behind BioVerge was to bring this type of innovation to the retail sector and allow more people to invest in early stage healthcare. So our mission at, at BioVerge is really we are accelerating the development of solutions for intractable health care problems. Uh, we're democratizing the access, the tools, and the resources uh, necessary to invest in innovative companies that are really spanning the intersection of bio and tech. And so that's really our focus. Uh, we've been around and operating for about four years now. We've completed 31 investments. We have a portfolio of 20 companies. Um, and so we, we really do tend to operate, operate very similar to any traditional venture platform. We add value added support. Uh, we've built a robust network. We call it the BioVerge Network, which comprises 
subject matter experts, key opinion leaders, strategic partners, um, co-investors that we can invest alongside in deals with that can also act as a source of investment in future rounds of financing for our portfolio companies. And so beyond uh, the check that we write uh, out of uh, from Bioverge, we also provide a lot of value added support. And I think that really has resonated with the, with the founders and CEOs that we've supported along the way. Um, I think if you talk to them, they'll say that the, the value add that we bring to the table is of paramount importance. And so that's part of what allows us to get into highly competitive deals. So Rodney, why, why don't I just stop there uh, and, and I'll turn it back over to you and ask if you have any additional questions because I know that was a lot. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I really like what you're doing as far as like accelerating the development of the cool, new, innovative companies that are out there. And so the question I have for you is like, how do you go about finding these companies, like the next big ones or what interests you and how do you know something's going to be good? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. So Bioverse started with just personal networks. So, you know, given my experience in investment banking and, and running business development at CIRM, uh, so I ne neglected to mention, but I was vice president of, of Notable Labs, which is an oncology-focused startup company in the Bay Area for a while. So, you know, I have pretty strong connections in the Bay Area. Uh, my co-founder, uh, Rick Gibb, was, uh, was at Stanford. He worked in the office of the CFO managing their venture capital fund, did a lot with StartX. So obviously, you know, we both have pretty strong networks. Um, but beyond that, we've really built uh, a robust, um, what we call proprietary sort of deal sourcing. Uh, and so we get a lot of warm referrals from founders that we've invested in. They refer companies that they're working with, the buyers that are looking for funding. We get a lot of referrals from our investors these days as well. We have strong relationships with a whole variety of different incubators and accelerators across the country and really throughout the world. Um, and so we source deals from you know, places like IndieBio or Y Combinator or J Labs or Stardex, uh, but so do a lot of other investors. So that's not necessarily proprietary, but we do have those relationships. Um, I, I would say at, at this point, uh, a lot of the warm referrals are our, our best source of uh, deal sourcing. So for companies that are, are looking for funding, um, ones that are, are, are referred to us from current investors of ours, LPs or, or limited partners, uh, from founders that we've already invested in. Although we do have online, uh, online and we look at all of those applications as well. Um, so there are a number of ways to get in touch with us. Okay, awesome, awesome. So you get kind of get to see all this cool technology before it goes mainstream and before it blows up and stuff like that. And I think that's, that's pretty cool. And so just kind of a personal question for me, like, cause you already, you have a pretty large portfolio of companies. Has there been like any one or two companies or technologies that really stuck out to you and got you excited? Yeah, that, that's a good question. There are a lot of technologies uh, stick out and, and get me very excited. So at, at BioVerge, we really do believe we're in what, what we refer to as the age of biology. So we can now tinker with all the pieces and fundamental building blocks of our biology. So if you think about sort of last revolution, right, the one in Silicon Valley, we really believe the next great revolution will be in the tools to re-architect our biology, our brains, our chemistry, in a word, our, ourselves. And so some of the technologies that we're particularly excited about are gene editing uh, and gene therapy, artificial intelligence and machine learning being applied to drug discovery. Um, we're already seeing that uh, in, in the marketplace. Uh, everything from 
uh, being applied to R&D. So that would be drug discovery all the way to AI and machine learning being applied to read radiology charts, for example. Um, and and that, that, that type of innovation is here today. We are uh, excited about this new wave of digital therapeutics. Uh, and so I'll just give you one concrete example. So we made an investment in a company by the name of uh, Blue Mesa Health about two years ago. Blue Mesa uh, is, a, is a digital therapeutic company, which means they've designed a software program and app to make long lasting uh, changes. So probably not surprising, you know, this, this country spends about $3.8 trillion on healthcare. A large portion of that, in fact, almost 85% of that is spent on largely reversible chronic diseases that are the result of poor diet and lifestyle choices. So if you can intervene to help nudge people into making healthier lifestyle choices through diet, through exercise, then you can really help combat and reverse and prevent a lot of these chronic diseases that we see in this country. And so Blue Mesa Health had developed a diabetes prevention program based on CDC guidelines. They created a, a software program, which they had an app, they had a coach, they had a, a wearable device, all in an effort to help pre-diabetics um, um, not become full-blown type two diabetic patients. And so they had really robust results, about a 60% success rate in, in helping prevent people become uh, type two di diabetics. The company was acquired earlier this year by Virgin. So one of Richard Branson's companies was actually Virgin Pulse came in and acquired Blue Mesa. Uh, Virgin is, is building out a suite of digital therapeutic products and Blue Mesa was a nice fit for what they're looking for. One of the exciting things Blue Mesa was, was doing is they were actually rolling this program out worldwide so they, they were based in the US, but they had developed a variety of different um, cultural programs to tailor to different diets in different cultures, which was very unique. Um, and so they, they had a sort of global scale and, and had a lot of great traction, a lot of data supporting and validating their approach. So that type of technology was really exciting to us. Um, I'll give you one more example because I, I love talking about our portfolio. Interesting. <laughs> uh, we invested uh, early in a company by the name of Notable Labs, Notable biotech company, they had, actually they are developing a phenotypic screening platform. And so what that means is they they work with um, cancer patients and oncologists and pharmaceutical and biotech companies. And basically what they're able to do is, is uh, take an individual uh, blood sample from a, a patient with blood cancer, uh, have it shipped to their lab, which is based in Foster City here in California. Uh, and then they can test different combinations of drugs against that individual patient sample. And they can figure out what drug or which combination of drugs is most uh, efficacious for that particular patient. Uh, and so, for example, they're working with pharma companies to help uh, pharma companies identify uh, if their drug is going to be responsive in a given patient or patient population, they can help identify synergistic combinations for that pharma company. So just sort of taking a step back, if you think about one of the holy grails of drug development, you want to be able to, to predict a priori if a particular patient is going to respond ahead of time before enrolling them in a clinical trial. That's the type of thing that Notable is working on. And so that's really exciting as well. Um, so th th those are just two quick examples from our portfolio. Man, you, you get to work with some cool companies, some cool technology, man. Dang, so I guess you're the CEO. You're pretty busy, obviously, running this company. But how are you able to manage all of this? What's your day-to-day -day look like? Because if you have a portfolio, you're dealing with all these companies. Like, what does someone in your position do? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. Um, 
as sort of you know CEO, I think any entrepreneur who, who's who's been in this position can tell you you have to be a jack of all trades, right? So part of what I spend a lot of my time doing is 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 sourcing new opportunities. So I'm on the phone a lot with entrepreneurs, with 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 folks that have started companies that are looking for funding. Part of my job, I think, is is just going out there talking with with you know CEOs, talking with companies that are creating this really cool, impactful, innovative technology. So that is what I would consider the fun part. Um, I'm also talking with investors all the time. So um, I, I didn't really get into our, our business model, but part of how we're democratizing is enabling everyone to invest in early stage healthcare, not just the wealthiest of Americans, not just institutional investors. So a lot of what I'm doing is trying to source our limited partner or LP base to invest in our deals. And so actually, I really enjoy doing that too. So I, I'm out there talking with investors all the time. Um, but then, uh, you know, as a CEO, I'm, I'm responsible for everything else. So there's a lot of compliance uh, that goes into creating an investment platform, uh, a lot of, um, you know, legal aspects of, of the job of the company. Uh, and then I'm doing everything from, you know, working with the CFO and, and accounting um, to sort of all the basic blocking hackling to think about how does Viaverge scale? So how do we go about marketing the platform? What is the messaging? So it's really from A to Z. And, you know, fortunately I have, have a, a great team that, that helps with a lot of this stuff, but yeah, as the CEO, it's it sort of, you have to be a jack of all trades. You can't just focus on that one thing that maybe you like to do the most. Nice. So wearing many hats essentially. And so on one end, you have the platform that you're trying to attract investors to so that they can leverage your resources and invest in other companies but then you're also trying to in, attract other companies as well like talking to the ceos and entrepreneurs of these health tech and biotech companies and trying to help them grow am i getting that right yeah that, that's right that's right so we are in, in, the way that i i tend to think about bioverge is we are in in essence redefining what it means to be a healthcare capital firm by enabling more people to access high quality uh, investments, alternative assets in this case. And so we are, we are in essence, building a, a two-sided marketplace, right? So we have the, the startups uh, and companies that we invest in as, as one side of the marketplace, right? That's, that's sort of the supply side. And then um, on the demand side of the marketplace are our, our investors. And so our investors range from individual accredited investors to family offices, to registered investment advisors who manage money on behalf of high net worth individuals and others, uh, to the newest part of our, our business that we're actually gearing up the launch here, um, probably in the first quarter of next year, which is our regulation crowdfunding platform. And regulation crowdfunding is open to both accredited and non-accredited investors alike, which, which really means anyone can come and invest in these early stage healthcare companies, both because maybe they believe in the mission, maybe they believe in impact investing, definition healthcare is impact investing. Um, maybe they want to diversify their portfolio with alternative assets. Um, so that that's a big part of what we're going to be doing. So we operate sort of a, what I would call a more traditional um, you know, venture capital business model. We, we sort of brought that online or democratizing access to allow more people to invest. And then we have our regulation crowdfunding business, which will allow anyone to invest. Um, the other thing I'll just mention from the, the investor side of the equation, investors can come to Bioverge, they can opt in to invest in individual deals, or they can invest in what we call an access fund, which allows them to invest in, in a fund that will then invest in a series of 10 or more uh, startups. So it's an easy way for folks to come to Bioverge to build a diversified portfolio without having to do the work to opt in on a deal by deal basis.
Ah, okay. That's super interesting. So you're you're essentially dealing with two different market segments, so to say. Um, and so another question I had, just because like yeah, that's that's exactly right. You've been mentioning like you been dealing with a bunch of companies you have a larger portfolio so you see kind of like from a holistic view what the healthcare industry is looking like and maybe where some trends are going and what people are focusing on so a question for you is like what sort of trends are you seeing in the healthcare industry what is exciting you now um for the potential in the future that's coming up yeah um good good question so i think there's there's a lot of exciting innovation coming out i, I mentioned you know w- one of the ways that we're seeing which is sort of the digital health digital therapeutics um i think that that market is still very young but we're seeing more and more interest around sort of the digital therapeutic area and again that sort of fits into this idea of the convergence of of health and and technology um so that is certainly a a a wave that we're seeing within the industry another one is is more innovation around cell and gene therapies so probably a lot of folks at this point have heard of CRISPR. You know, CRISPR has really enabled the spread of, of gene editing uh, and democratized, I think, gene editing in many ways. CRISPR is a relatively you know, simple uh, gene editing tool. And, and so we're seeing that. Uh, gene therapy, I think, has finally, in a sense, come of age. Um, you know, gene therapy had been sort of abandoned for about two decades there. And now, you know, there are a slate of new gene therapies that have been approved uh, based on a, a variety of different vectors. Uh, we're seeing non-viral based uh, gene therapy approaches uh, being used as well. So we're excited about that. You know, another thing I'll mention for, for, for you know, maybe a silver lining of, of the, you know, the COVID pandemic, um, you know, there's been tremendous uh, innovation and collaboration in the biotech sector around getting vaccines to market, getting new drugs to market for SARS-CoV-2. And so there's been a lot of attention uh, brought to the biotech sector. And so, you know, having a, a brand new vaccine modality approved, in this case, mRNA, in less than a year, right? So really went from the R&D bench into patients to getting approval. It hasn't been FDA approved yet, but it, it should be here relatively soon. It was approved in the UK, right? And being distributed in a year is just, it, it really has, has been warp speed. So I think that's brought a lot of attention to the sector. And so I think what we're seeing now is the pace of innovation coupled with the um, uh, speed of that innovation has really created uh, th- this, this velocity that we're seeing across different sectors. So again, that's, that's things like AI and machine learning being applied to, to healthcare. That's things like gene editing and gene therapy, like digital therapeutics. And these are all things that aren't 10 years in the future. These are things that are happening today. Um, and so there, there's a lot of really interesting waves that, that we're seeing uh, I, I didn't just to mention some of the, the 3D bioprinting and tissue engineering. We're seeing quite a bit in that space. That's very exciting as well. So why, why don't I just stop there? Because I know that was a lot. <laughs> Man, like I'm jealous that you get, uh, have access to all this. Like that's essentially kind of why I started these podcasts is because like I went through the journey as a patient like myself and there's a lot of cool technology, but it, unless you're like working on it or like in the field, like you're not aware of it. And so like, that's kind of why I wanted to bring on people to share their story, share what they're doing so that more people can get awareness around um, these types of technology. And then, well, 
Yeah, I was going to say, and Rodney, that's a really good point. And so we actually view that as one of our primary missions at BioVerge is to build awareness of these types of technologies and to just let more people know that this type of innovation is taking place today. And there's there's a lot of um, different sources available for, for patients today. There's a lot of clinical trials going on in a variety of different diseases that are using a lot of this innovative technology. And so just as I mentioned the story with Evie and the gene therapy that cured her skin, I went out and I was talking to my friends, my family about that, and no one knew that that type of technology existed today. So part of our mission at BioWords is just really building awareness of these types of, you know, really cool technologies that exist. Yeah, that's tight. And so one of them that you mentioned when we were talking about AI was how they were using AI and machine learning in radiology. And that's super interesting to me because like I'm an MRI technologist. So if there's anything to help speed up <laughs> images or however they diagnose the patient through in radiology, I'm all I'm all ears. I'm interested. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's very cool. And that stuff is being used today, right? I mean, there's there's been a lot of um, uh, uh, data validating the approach. Um, th there's even been some studies that have shown that, you know, AI has been, you know, more accurate in um, whether it's looking for uh, tumors in, in breast cancer patients or, or whatever it may be, reading radiology charts. Um, I, I do just want to make a comment, though, because I, I think there's... Um, there might be a misperception around AI or machine learning or whatever sort of buzzword you want to say, sort of taking over and replacing doctors uh, and, and the need for you to go to a doctor. And I, I just I don't think that that is going to be the case. I think that that all of the sort of AI you know, based stuff will be a tool that doctors can use to help make them more efficient. Um, and so I, I, it's not it's not that it's going to replace the physicians out there. I think it's going to be a, a tool that allows them to uh, hopefully get back to you know spending more time with patients because um, that's that's really what the doctors do. That's not what the machines are, are able to do. And so I think it's it's going to be a tool to help make them more efficient, not replace them, right? So it's going to complement what they do. And I think that that's. I don't want to say it's a misnomer, but I think a lot of people think that it's it's this technology is going to replace what is currently going on. I don't think that's the case. I think it's going to complement and enhance uh, the current sort of standard of care, if you will. Yeah, for sure. I've heard people say that too, like, oh, as technology advances, it's just going to take more jobs. But I feel like that can't, it doesn't apply to healthcare as much because a lot of what healthcare is, is a lot of customer service, patient interaction, and that you can't automate that, you know, you can't. Turn that into a robot. No, you, you you can't, and I don't think you want to. I, I think you know when someone is is, is sick, you, you want that human touch. You want to go and you want to have that sort of that that you know empathy and that human relationship with a doctor or with a or, or whomever it may be. I think we I think it'd be a disservice to automate all of that away. Um, there's some of the stuff in the background that maybe can be automated to free up whether it's a doctor's time or the nurse's time to build that human relationship and spend more time doing that, that I think is valuable. But yeah, to your point, it's not, I don't think it's going to be a, a replacement strategy. Yeah, for sure. And so we're coming up towards the end, but I have one more question for you. And you, you talk to a lot of people dealing with a lot of companies. So what advice would you have for other healthcare biotech startups that are actually looking for investment? Like what should they have in place before they approach someone like you? 
Yeah, it's it's a good question. So we are we're early stage seed investors. Um, so we, we invest in sort of the pre-seed seed stage rounds. I think you know what what we want to see even before we make an investment at sort of the earliest stages. We want to see that you have an option or you have the license locked up that's not still being negotiated. That's important for us uh, before we make an investment. We want to make sure that uh, you know you you have obviously some team members in place. It doesn't have to be you know the full thought out team. It doesn't have to be everyone on board, but you have the right team in place. Uh, either you know whether they are full time or whether they're on board as advisors or consultants. Um, that you have complementary skills on board. We want to see for us some early, you know, proof of concept data, uh, whether that's animal model data or in vitro data supporting your scientific hypothesis. Um, you know, the other thing is we always like to see non-dilutive grant funding, right? So when we're talking about sort of early stage science and healthcare, there's a lot of non-dilutive opportunities out there that I think pretty much every we talk to whether that's SBIR funding or funding from NIH or funding from places where I used to work like CIRM, if the technology is a fit, you know, there's a whole variety of uh, non-dilutive funding. So at the earliest stages, we definitely like to see that uh, as well. That, and, and that's a strong signal as well um, that, you know, a viable th third party has done a deep dive on the, the science uh, in terms of diligence. So that that's good for us to see, but even not just us, it's good for the investors who come to BioVerge to invest in these deals. They like seeing that as well as a point of validation. Ah, okay. So some, this is kind of just for my own clarification, but like some companies like before they come to you for investment, you kind of already want them to have raised the money elsewhere. We like to see some traction that they've raised money elsewhere. So we can be the first capital in, we're typically not the only first capital in. So we are always investing in larger rounds of finance and typically investing alongside other VCs or, or in, you know, angel groups or investors. Uh, a majority of the deals that we're investing in, yeah, they have raised some capital before from somewhere, whether it's a, you know, a, let's say a, a pre-seed round or a seed round of financing, um, whether it's non-dilutive funding, uh, but yeah, uh, they've typically raised some amount of capital from other sources. Awesome, awesome. I think that's excellent advice too. It's a perfect way to kind of end this segment of the podcast. We're coming up towards the end and I like to end each episode with, on a little more lighter note with something I call the rapid fire round. So I'll ask you a set of questions and you kind of just give me whatever answer you come up with. That sounds great. All right, so question number one, what is your favorite book of all time? Oh, favorite book of all time. Um, it's got to be um, uh, Phil Knight's Shoe Dog. Mm. Great book for entrepreneurs. Okay, Shoe Dog. Okay. Um, number two, who is the most influential person in your life or career? Um, well, the influ most influential person in my life, I would have to say, is my, my father. Um, my father was an endodontist, uh, always sort of played around the stock market, was an, was an investor. Um, but yeah, I think just in, term, in terms of, um, you know, instilling a sense of persistence, uh, grit, um, you know, the character, um, moral compass, for sure. You know, I think that was, that, that was certainly my father. Um, yeah. Awesome. Shout out, Mr. Littman. Um, <laughs> Number three, what is one goal you want to accomplish within the next year? Uh, within the next year is uh, continuing our mission to democratize access for everyone to invest. And so I had alluded or I had actually mentioned 
crowdfunding platform for BioVerge. So that is not a business line that we have launched yet. That is a business line that we will be launching in the next year. So that is certainly one of my goals. And that will allow every, literally everyone to be able to invest in, in early stage healthcare companies. Ah, okay. Interesting. And then last but not least, what is one piece of advice you would give to your 20 year old self? <laughs> That's always a good question. Uh, focus, I would say. Uh, I think for entrepreneurs in particular, uh, it's, it's very easy to go chase that new shiny object, right? There's always another distraction. There's always something else that you could be doing. Uh, while I believe wholeheartedly in this idea of optionality, right? You want to keep your options open as you're building a company because it's hard to predict where things are going to take you, right? It, it's sort of, as an entrepreneur, it's sort of like you're jumping off a cliff and trying to build an airplane on the way down. Um, however, I would say that you, you have focus of, of paramount. So you can't always be distracted. You can't always chase that new bright, shiny object. Um, and so, you know, those couple things that are going to move the needle the most and you know, persistence, uh, this sort of goes back to the, you know, my favorite book, right? Shoe Dog, you know, persistence, I think is oftentimes what separates successful entrepreneurs um, from those that, that aren't successful. It's just willing to sort of, you know, be gritty and make it through the ups and downs because being an entrepreneur is like a, riding a roller coaster. There, there are great days. There are terrible days. There are highs, there are lows. Um, and you know, yeah, oftentimes just have to sort of stick with it. Awesome. Awesome. I think that's a perfect way to end today's episode. Ex excellent piece of advice. Um, Neil, just want to thank you again for jumping on and sharing what you're doing over at BioVerge Bio and how you are working and helping other healthcare companies that are trying to change the world and see like the role that you play in this whole process and who you kind of deal with and the value that you add to the industry. So just want to say thank you again for jumping on. Roddy, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me today. I uh, really uh, appreciate your time. Yeah, for sure. And then last but not least, where could people um, connect with you and learn more about BioVerge? Absolutely. Uh, so we have a website, uh, www.bioverge.com. Uh, you can go there and learn about um, our platform. You can look at some of our portfolio companies. Uh, folks can email me directly, uh, neil at bioverge.com, and I'd be happy to uh, set up calls and field any questions. Awesome. Awesome. I'll be sure to include those links in the resources below. But that ends today's episode. Catch you guys on the next one.